Hello, welcome back to the Mike and No Mike show. It's a little bit of a sad day after the Finland result against Bosnia. We're going to be reviewing that game and previewing the Finland-Ukraine game. We got a guest, my good man, Nick. What's up, man? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Yeah, it's a little bit of a sad day in a way since we were in the lead and then we drew it. So it feels kind of like a loss in a way. Yeah, uh, there's, of course, many, many sides of it. I have to say that that two years ago, if we all would be disappointed with a tie with Bosnia, it would feel pretty surreal. But if you want to qualify for the World Cup finals, only 13 places in Europe, you just have to win your home games. Yeah. So let's review the game. So obviously it was Finland 2, Bosnia 2. Obviously, the first half, I thought the first 10 minutes, we really pressed them well. And Buki had a great chance in the first two minutes. And I guess he tried to like sweaty goal and pass it across the load and the defender got in between. Then we had, I think, one more chance as well with Buki. And then Bosnia started slowly getting back into the game. Pjanic just kind of dominated the midfield. They started getting down the left side a lot, in my opinion. So that was mostly the first half. I thought maybe Finland should have been ahead on like 1-0 or something like that. And then we get to the second half. And then the first 10 minutes, we were atrocious. I don't know what happened in the locker room. We, I don't know if the manager didn't say anything or the players didn't want to react. But then Bosnia just came at us and they got the penalty. At first, when looking at the game, it didn't seem like a handball. But then watching replays, it was clearly a handball, in my opinion. So then that happened. Pjanic, Joranen saved the penalty. Pjanic tapped it back in. And then finally, we decided to attack in the, in the second half. And we scored a goal with Nikolai Alho actually taking on the defender and almost scored a great goal like he almost did against Ireland in the same way where he almost scored there. Left-footed shot off the crossbar. And then Puki with like a kind of like a Zlatan finish volley in a way. Just very instinctive. And then just bottom corner. And then still Bosnia, I think we're still a much better team in the second half. They had more chances, in my opinion. And then we kind of got lucky from a corner. Glenn winning the ball. And then Pohan followed with his first touch off the bench, getting it through to Puki. And then it was just 10 seconds. If people were watching my stream, just me waiting for the goal to happen, have my hands up. <laughs> and then he tucked it in. And then we had a 2-1 lead with 10 minutes to go. And I was just like, please, just please, guys, just hold the lead. That's all we need. And then... They put a long ball up to Dzeko, and then it was, I think, Krunic, I think, who scored or something like that, off of deflection of no, Raitala. Uh, like Stepanovic or something. Stepanovic, okay. And then yeah. the shot went off Raitala, kind of deflection. Joranen couldn't get down low enough, and then, unfortunately, he just couldn't save it and went to the bottom left corner. So, I mean, all in all, I can say that's, you know, a fair result in my opinion. I thought Bosnia were the much better team in the second half. So, what's your thoughts on the game, Nick? Well, I, I believe that both teams are pretty annoyed that they kind of conceded easy goals, which I can I can try to understand or I can understand from both sides. But if you try to look at like uh, like neutrally, both had good many good chances, but especially like the Puki second goal was just pure stupidity of Bosnia. There, there was no it wasn't a stupid goal; it was just clumsy out of them. And then of course to get like a penalty and then. Bosnia's second goal out of a deflection, that's just really annoying. But but just sometimes, you know, the ball bounces in a bad way. And then we've had good luck in the past few years. Of course, now it feels after the Nations League that we've had so many penalties against us. But hard to say. I think it was an equal or, or a pretty fair result. We didn't... We, we could, Both teams could have won, but considering the whole game, this was kind of uh, fair. I would say. Yeah, I thought it was fair, to be honest. I thought Finland really started the game well, in my opinion. I thought that was yeah. going to be like 
the whole first half we were going to like press them and try and get the ball back and win it because if we we were keeping the ball we created chances with that like Hamelin and put I mean I don't know maybe three through balls for Pukki in my opinion in the first half and they were excellent in my opinion so I thought we were just going to keep pressing them and try and go down the flanks obviously because we have Alho and Hamelin who are good like attackers wing backs so I thought we were going to keep doing that, but then it just seemed like we just sat back in a way and just let invited the pressure, and I didn't like that at all. Yeah, and basically uh, this time Bosnia didn't put a, such a high pressure on us. They put like a they, they tried to block our midfield, so it mostly went that, that our central defenders could pretty pretty like easy without pressure try to open. They were pretty they some kind of hurried. I think they could have kept more of the ball. But we didn't kind of get our midfield in the game as much as we would have wanted because Bosnia tried to get those paces off. In the first half, we had the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes were, I think, really good. And then especially Hamelainen and Lourdes, really good, really good through, really good passes to Pukki and he got through. I just have to admire watching the whole game again, Lourdes and Pukki. They're like, many old people would say that it's starting to look like Mikael Forsell and Littmanen in the in their best days, kind of how they know they know how each other are moving. They know when to put the passes. Lord has this crazy ability to kind of know when to pass to Temu, and I I would say that he's the most underrated guy in the whole team, Robin Lord. Oh yeah, definitely. But he did look like he was not match fit. Like we discussed in the preview of the Finland Bosnia game, that he wasn't match fit because obviously MLS hasn't started. So I think his definitely fatigue started like coming coming on and that's why he was sub for Bohem Paulo then in like the 75th yeah. minute or something like that so maybe hopefully in the next game against Ukraine he'll play the whole 90 minutes but I, I saw that uh what was it I think like the player ratings on like Futis Com that they gave like Alho and Hamelin like six and I thought that was a bit harsh since they had to do so much running because obviously they were the attackers basically and then they had to defend all the the wingers for Bosnia too so I thought that was a bit harsh but I mean you can criticize their defending, but hey, if they're putting so much work in being wingbacks, then you have to admire that as well. Yeah, uh, I, I would say that offensive-wise, both did really well, especially Hamelain, and he's good in small spaces. Alho is also pretty good, of course. You can see that he's not used to play on such a on such a high level, but then defensive-wise, he had he had some issues, and then especially like headers and clearances where he made a few big errors. First one almost led to the a goal in the first half, Yessa saved him, and then kind of the penalty started from uh, Alho's bad clearance, which kind of went just straight up and didn't clear from our own own box. So uh, kind of, you can see that he's not used to being under that kind of pressure normally. So we can, I guess we'll discuss soon the, well, what we guess the squad is like for Ukraine, but Ukraine is going to be an, an even harder opponent. So I'm having hard to see Alho at least playing a full 90 minutes in the same position. Yeah, it's going to be difficult for him to probably play another full 90 minutes in that position. Maybe they'll move with Raitalov maybe for the right wing back this time. But, I mean, it's just it's just a little bit sour no. I mean, obviously, Finland have come such a long way. We were 112th ranked, what, in 2017? And now we're 55th in the world, I think, right now. So, the fact yeah, that we're... pretty fair, I would say 55th. Yeah, so, I mean... The fact that we're disappointed with drawing with Bosnia, who were in the World Cup in 2014, it just shows how much we've come in like the last four years. It's ridiculous, in my opinion. As Nick now is frozen, so <laughs> I'll keep talking. Oh, there we go. He's back now. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I would say that for an away game, this would have been fine. But uh, as a home game, you just have to get the three points. As it's just so simple. Yeah, I feel like having not having the fans there just really did play an effect when we took the two one lead. I think the fans then would have pushed us to victory. Yeah. But since we didn't have for that, sure. it just they just you know just didn't have the mental toughness really to like hold mm. the lead for the last 10 minutes. Exactly, exactly. I, I have to agree with you. The fans are just a big power support for the whole team and we would just need them. That's, I think that's kind of the magic which have kept us, you know, winning so many home games. Uh, basically all games except for Italy in the last, what is it, three, four years, we won all home, home games with fans at the stadium. So you kind of can't undermine how important it is to us. Yeah. So all in all, disappointed by the result, kind of happy about the result. <laughs> I don't know really how much to feel about the game. Yeah. Well, so you're a good team. I mean, Jekyll and Pjanic were really good in that game, in my opinion. Jekyll was holding up the ball really well. And Pjanic was, in my opinion, dominating the midfield. I thought Lalakari had a really bad game. I, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that from him. But maybe because, you know, that's not his position really. That like he's in front of the CVM. He's more like right behind the striker, kind of like Lulu was basically for Pukki in that game. So maybe Valakari needs to play a little bit more forward, in my opinion. But with that formation yeah, that we really played, good. it's kind of impossible for him to do that. Yeah, and I have to say that I have to disagree with the Pjanic thing. At least earlier, the game went much more like through him. But I, I think that during the new coach, they had like more that, that also other players have to be able to kind of run the midfield, of course. Janic had like almost man marking during the whole game. There was always somebody who had him as his responsibility. So he's not, of course, as open as he would want to be. That's why he has to come down and get the ball because he can't get it as easily in the offensive side. But I wouldn't say that they're so so like dependent on him as they used to be. But then again, I think it was pretty lousy that. Uh, the penalty which he shot was absolutely useless, and then after the game, he still he still kind of commented that the pitch was bad. That just sounds stupid for a world star. Yeah, I mean that was a fucking atrocious penalty. I mean, if you're such a yes. quality player at Barcelona, you cannot blame the pitch for that for taking that such a poor penalty. Exactly. He got so lucky to get the rebound and mm. tuck it back in. I mean, that was that was horrible by him. I would yeah. not expect Pjanic to have such a bad penalty. But, I mean, I guess we move on. It was 2-2, so I think we can just be happy about the result and we got a point, but also sad at the same time. But now we're going to preview the game that's on Sunday. Also, we're going to do a watch-along for the game as well, 9.30 beginning on YouTube at Twitch, Mike and No Mike show for the Finland-Ukraine game. And I think this is going to be a hard game for us. I mean, obviously, we're doing better nowadays away from home. We've been France away. We've been Bulgaria away. We've been Ireland away in the last year. And now we're going to play Ukraine away, who weren't the greatest team last year. But Andrei Shevchenko, who's now their coach, the legend, he said that they were trying to mix and match a lot of players because in 2019, Ukraine won the Under-19 World Cup. So they're obviously trying to bring in youth into their team and keep the old players. And then like you said in the preview for the Finland-Bosnia game, they have a lot of Brazilians now who got Ukrainian passports. So now they're trying to incorporate that as well. So Ukraine, they've only scored four goals in the last six games, but they've played... And they're in the Nations League A. So they're playing the likes of Germany, France, I think, Switzerland. So a lot of tough teams in, in their group that they had. But the last time these two teams played against each other, it was 2-1 for Ukraine and Tampere. I think you were at the game, weren't yeah. you? Yeah. 
Yeah. So yes. that was the last game we played against them and it was 2017. So, I mean, the Finland team has come a long way. Probably the Ukrainian team has come a long way under Shevchenko. So what do you think? I mean, it's going to be a tough game for us away from home, but I think there's not going to be any fans there either. No, 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 no fans. Uh, of course, that kind of makes it easier. You, you could see it last year when we played, you know, away games with empty stadiums. You kind of lose the home advantage. But, uh, yeah, you can't kind of underestimate how good Ukraine is. I think they won in the last qualifiers, Portugal at least once. Maybe even top their group could be, or then they was just behind Portugal. I'm not, I haven't done my homework this time as good as last time, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, quality guys we went through last time, Dinchenko and, and Malinovsky and Co., who are kind of running the game there. Uh, I listened to a few reviews and other podcasts about previews for the Ukraine game. Some really interesting ideas came up there, which I want to share here for. All the listeners, uh, pretty much Finland has played against all better teams now in the last two years with uh, three central defenders. And I, I guess, you know, it's common knowledge for scouting teams and coaches. That, that's how Finland do. They want one extra guy, especially if, if we change Raitala for Oyala, we have really tall guys there. So crosses wouldn't be such an issue now when you Oyala is also like 195 or, or 192, I don't know, but still tall. But, but many like experts or, or not experts, but journalists said that we should have like a 4-4-2 uh, just to kind of mess up with them. We don't have pretty much nothing to lose there. No one's kind of counting on great success there. So why not kind of try to at least get some more offensive time than just defending? So that's kind of an interesting idea. Uh, of course, it depends a lot on who's, who's available. Just two minutes before st- starting our uh, starting recording for this podcast, we heard that Tim Sparvis is going to have to leave the team. I don't know if he would have started either way, but, but of course, he's a pretty super sub in a, in a leading position, except the Bosnia game, which was an exception. But uh, I would want to see kind of... I feel that the 3-5-2 is kind of safe and secure. Then I know that, that we should somehow have some small chances. But I would want also Karadava to show some brave moves that we also can like stand up towards better teams with this 4-4-2 formation. What do you think, Mike? Yeah. Okay, so before, you, before I go on about how Finland should play, you said that Ukraine, they did top their group against Portugal. They won all their home games for the Euro qualifiers for 2020. They beat... Portugal at home, they beat Serbia 5-0 at home. They drew away at Portugal. They didn't lose a single, they didn't lose a single game in the group stage. So obviously they're a tough team and they seem like a very defensively sound team. And then I, I was reading some reviews about the France game and Shevchenko just said that, hey, we stick to our game plan. We pressured them. We double teamed a lot of guys in Mbappe and uh, Griezmann and Giroud and they did that well. They didn't have a single shot on target though in the game and they tied 1-1 and they had yeah. like 35% ball possession. But the last time they played against France, they lost 7-1. So now they drew 1-1. Yeah, so yeah. it's a vast improvement on what they were able to do against France. So now, what should Finland do? Okay, here we go. Finland should just play 4-4-2 and just go after Ukraine. I'm tired of like playing 3-5-2 and being stick to that. And we're going to just try and defend and try and win with Pukki, trying to like score goals for us. I don't want that now. I need... Other players to step up just in case if Pukki is not firing on the day. So we need 
to play 4-4-2. Probably Alaho is going to go to the bench, unfortunately. So Raitola will play right back. And then we stick with Aro Juri and Toivio at center backs. Hamelainen left back. Uh, Kauko and Kamara in the midfield. Lude on the right wing. Left wing, I don't know. That's that's the issue I'm having. I don't know Maybe who's going to play. Maybe Robert Taylor. That would be a good option, actually. Yeah. And then the two strikers, Pohyan Palompukki. That's what I would go with. Go at Ukraine. Let's have 50% ball possession. Let them have 50% ball possession. And let's see who the better team is. Because we don't know how. You know, Ukraine have some good players. Obviously, Zinchenko, who's a left back for Man City, is a camp, is a camp central attacking midfielder for Ukraine. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't think their defense, most of their guys play for Dynamo Kiev or Jaktor Donetsk, obviously, because those are the two best teams in Ukraine. So I think we should just try to go after Ukraine. I'm tired of playing 3-5-2, in my opinion. Obviously, I think we're going to have to do that for the Euros because those teams are so much better than us. But if we want to beat teams like Ukraine, who are just a little bit better than us, I would say, they have a bit more quality than Finland. But if we want to reach that kind of level, we need to go after them as well and not just defend and then, you know, hope for a miracle goal, kind of like the Pukki one on, on Wednesday when he, the def, Bosnian defense was all over the place, in my opinion. And Ukraine now is ranked 25th in the world. So if we win this game, this will be a huge boost, I think, for the Finnish national team. Yeah, and, and still about thinking about the formations. Of course, for this game, I also hope for the 4-4-2. But if we then try to think in a bigger picture, if, if, if Rive chooses to have a three central defenders i hope oyala will be there and then maybe kind of to get both both options viable for the euros i would hope that both at the sweden game friendly one would then be at least with four defenders kind of to get the variation there yeah and kind of not make it so easy for opponents to know what's coming their way then of course estonia is a different chapter which is just kind of to boost the hype around the team and then get an easy three nil victory but I would kind of hope that, that the national team uses both of their systems before the Euros. Yeah, so that kind of like the team is more comfortable also in both formations. So if we have to switch, like if we play Denmark 3-5-2, but then in Russia we play 4-4-2, then it's an easy like just transition between exactly. the formations exactly. basically. Or, or vice versa. Or vice versa, yep, exactly. But um, the Ukrainian striker Roman Yarmochuk, he plays for Ghent in the Belgian first division. I was kind of looking at him before we started. He's six foot three, and he's seems like a very tall striker. Probably scores a lot of headers, but in 112 appearances for Ghent, he has scored 42 goals. So he's their obviously danger man. I'm not too sure about Yarmolenko, who plays for West Ham. I think uh, Shevchenko said he might be injured, so he might be. We'll see if he plays in the game. So those are the dangerous players that we have to watch out for. And obviously Malinovsky, who plays for Atalanta, he's more of like a box to box midfielder. So. Those are kind of the dangerous players we have to watch out for. And Zinchenko, of course. So hopefully Glenn can just, you know, stick to Zinchenko so he doesn't get so much, you know, space to create. Because obviously yeah. Zinchenko on the ball is a very good player. But yeah, basically what, what I would say to this game is that, uh, of course, it's good that we also have Pukki. But it would be nice to see kind of someone else also maybe score some goals just to get some variation there and just to show that we're not dependent on one guy, even if he's a god now, Pukki. But it would be nice to get Lud or Lud to get some nice long long shots or just just some kind of variation there. Of course, now Jensen is injured. He was our top scorer in the Nations League. Pohian Palo, he would deserve some some good luck for once after all, after all his injuries. 
I'm not sure if, if he's a good option for 90 minutes, but is he a starter, plays for 60 minutes or the last 30? That's, of course, it's a mixed match of, of pros and cons. Uh, then again, our midfield now, especially when team's gone and we're defending pretty much, I just, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm not just fine with the thing that that's kind of our level drops really much after Glenn. If we have two midfielders, then kind of Kauko or Schiller has to play their best game ever. Schiller, his best game was against France during Bosnia, I guess, was one of his worst games. So it's really up and down for him. He's, he's also in his preseason, so it's not the best time for him either. And then, of course, uh, if you put right along the, on the wing back, I have full support for him. But, but there's not too many options for those places. But at least I'm glad to see that 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 Jesse can do very well between the goalposts. He was he was really good. Yeah, Joronen, other than Bucky, was our best player by far. But to be honest, Bucky should have scored maybe four goals in that game. He had so many chances. For yeah, a man who's hot, he should have scored. One more. Yeah, he should have at least scored four goals, in my opinion, in that game. So I mean, yeah. just the left wing spot is gonna be the left mid spot is gonna be like if we play this 4-4-2, who's going to play there? That's going to be the big issue. Or then if we stick with the 3-5-2, probably Balakari is going to come off, in my opinion, because he didn't have the greatest game. But I don't want to see Schuller again. Please, just please. No, no, no. I don't want to see him again. He was horrible against Bosnia. Absolutely petrified of the moment. He looked done. I mean, he just, you know, in the stream, Fekko said, Oh yeah, he's a good, he's a great player in the Vekos Liga. I said, yeah, that's the Vekos Liga. This is good players that we're playing against now. I've never like Schuler. He didn't like he didn't do well in MLS either. Like he, he was a half a season at Minnesota United, then came back to Hoiko or something like that. Yeah, uh, I I think he he really did, or the MLS was good for him. The last season was kind of awful since he didn't play, but I think for. Him like MLS Sweden are pretty good, good level for him and his kind of attributes. But yeah, as as I just said, he has a really big or it's it's really really big difference between his good and bad day. So let's just hope that it's a it's a good day because I I think if he's not starting, he will still get subbed on because as I said, the alternatives aren't that good. Yeah, because who else can we put in instead of like Rasmus Schuller in your opinion then? Hmm. Well, basically, we can put Robin Lou there. He's a good, like, of course, now he's played more. He's always, like, been a cam or, like, some kind of a false nine or what, what you ever want to think. But basically, he, he's a big, a strong guy. He could, like, do defensively well. But I think that he's kind of the mastermind with all the good key passes in our offense. So we don't really have, can't, we don't, we can't lose him. From, from our offensive. So if we play with three midfielders, then I think that he should be kind of, if we have two number six, and then he could be like the number eight there if we play three, three, five, two. But yeah, yeah I don't, it's just, we don't have too many alternatives. And, and, and now it's the last competitive game. We have to put all our kind of, all our power to this. Then for the next week, week friendly against Switzerland, we can kind of, just do some trials, try new things, and then play those guys who are feeling fresh after a tough week. Yeah. I'm, one player that I wish was in the team now, 
I think he's injured, but Thomas Lam, he would have been a perfect, I think, CDM for us. And then, so we can get Glenn more forward, in my opinion. Nah. Nah? Why he, not? <laughs> well, he's kind of always under, kind of, he hasn't, he's never played like a dream game in the national team. He's had a really, like, up and down in his club now. He he got, like, some news articles when he got benched after 30 minutes as a captain since he was so bad. I think it was in October, November. Now he's got some, like, good good games on him. But I feel that the strain has somehow, at least, if, if he can't get, like, a new, new, new boost to his career, his national team is kind of done for, for now. Okay. Because our midfield is after Glenn, Kauko, Sparv, and Schuller. We don't really have anybody else. So that's kind of the problem that yeah. we're facing here. Exactly. And we need still to wait like many years before there's new guys coming on there. So we are still kind of stuck with these alternatives for a while. Yeah. that's not. Those are not good alternatives, I must say. We need to get our midfield much better from the day when we had Aki Rihilati, Jari Lipmanen, and now we have, well, yeah. I mean, obviously Glenn is now like, a top tier player for us, but we need another guy next to him who can do the work. Because I feel mm. Glenn needs to get more forward, in my opinion. That's like when he's at his best. Yeah, I have to agree that, that we're just basically so dependent on him and the level goes so quickly down after him also. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to give a score prediction. I'll give my prediction for the game. I'm going to say it's 2-1 Ukraine. I mean, it's going to be a tough game, but I feel like just Ukraine is going to be a bit better than Finland, in my opinion. I think Zinchenko and then the striker, Yamachuk, he's going to score. So I think it's just going to be too tough for Finland. But I hope we just, you know, give it a shot. I hope we're just like, we go after them and that's all I can hope for, really. Yeah, I'll just stick to the same as against Bosnia. I'll say 1-1. It, it sounds Boring! Kind of <laughs> Boring as if. Yeah, boring and safe. It was funny because during the stream, I was like, oh, Pekko, it's going to be your result. Nil-nil. And then four goals came so quickly in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe just we have to get be more sharper in our defense. That was pretty sloppy. It's really unusual to see them kind of do those kind of errors. Of course, the more, the more you play in our own box, the more the probability is to that, you know, there's a handball or it just gets bad bounce. So I understand that we have to defense, uh, do lots of, lots of defense, but we just kind of have to get it up that there's no Alec Flipper pinballs within our 16 yards or 18 yards. So that just makes it, it, it just adds the probabilities for penalties and just that somebody gets like a lucky bounce. So yep. we have to be better at clearing the balls. And that's why I would want like really tall defenders. They're like Oyala, Arayuri, Toivio. Yeah. So I think also, because obviously... The team maybe had one or two days together, most of the guys, to train with each yeah. other. So, obviously, now we have a couple more days of training. So, I think that will help boost the confidence and chemistry again with the team as well. Yeah, and one thing which is better compared to, like, the last qualifiers and the two nations league, often there's been only two days of rest between the games. Now we're at three. And, during, and the result of many, like, medical research is that, that 72 hours should be like adequate for a player to recover like at least 90 to 95%. Okay. But like 48 hours is it's way too little. Yeah. For that you can't recover. No, no way. <laughs> These guys are not machines, man. They're humans after exactly. all. Exactly. And 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 of course that's like some I I don't think it's like for Ukraine but like let's say the 
top 10 countries which have their players in the top five leagues they're used to playing like now two games a week for a way too long of a period so i think they must be really tired especially now when they're squeezing three games instead of two to the international break so yeah. i i of course france and they they have really really broad squads but if you're like a a-league country with a really small squad then you have to kind of put a lot of minutes for your big guys and that's that can be bad i i i am some kind of scared of that there's gonna be many many injuries for many players like during april maybe for the euros and of course the euros are so special so so basically you don't want even for your worst enemies to have anyone injured since it's such not such a unique unique thing You want all the Danish players, you want all the Russian players, you want all the Belgian players to be fit so that... Well, except for them. <laughs> except for them. <laughs> okay, there we go. Before we go, I have one question for you. This was probably the biggest news transfer for me. I couldn't believe this happened in the winter transfer window. Marian Hamšík goes from China to Göteborg in Swedish League. Can you just please explain to me how this happened? Because you follow the Swedish League more to me. How the hell did Jotteborg get him? Yeah, uh, he came from... He played in China earlier, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, and he, I, I think his contract is un, until August and he needed kind of some... I, I think it's just a short-term option for them. I think they can pay like a viable salary for him and then he can kind of get in shape for the Euros. And then for Göteborg, I don't know why, but they've been kind of starting to sign uh, like other Swedish national team players who are kind of in their 35-year-olds, so they're kind of starting to slow down. There's one guy from Mönchengladbach, uh, Oskar Wendt, who's also coming now in the summer. And then one of the top scorers, Marcus Berry, who's coming from Krasnodar. It's not officially yet the Berry one, but they're coming like in the summer window, And Hamsik is kind of leaving then, so I think it's just a short-term option. But it was kind of nice to see how much attention it got, at least in Sweden. Kind of there were tens of or thousands of people following kind of the flight which he was coming to Gothenburg, and then then fans at the airport. That that felt kind of funny to think that it's it's in the, our neighboring country. Yeah, exactly. So basically, Hamsik is only going to play there until like August. Is that what they're saying then? Yeah, pretty much. I don't think Göteborg hasn't been doing so well financially, so I don't think they can kind of keep him longer there. I don't think there's any point. I don't think it's motivating enough for him to play there. I think it's just a fraction of the salary which he would have got like in 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 China or anywhere else. But then again, I'm not sure if any club wants. It's it's a kind of risky investment to you don't know what his motivation and will is after some years in China. So it, it, I think it's a high risk, but also could be a high reward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if he plays, because he's a fantastic player, obviously he's at the end of his career. So he's easily will be maybe, in my opinion, the best player in the Swedish league this season. If he's fully fit, fully committed, maybe somewhat, maybe not committed, of course, he's thinking about the yeah. Euro, so he's trying to stay healthy. But if he can score, then I think Jöteborg might have a good chance then maybe in the league. So only time will tell mm-hmm. really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and then I want to highlight out of yesterday's results, uh, Spain tied with Greece. That oh, yeah. Pretty, <laughs> pretty phenomenal. With a penalty. Oh, the typical Greece. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Yeah, there were some crazy results last night, of course. I think it was 3-3 between Hungary and Poland, Sweden, Zlatan yeah. coming back to the team. They drew what? No, they won 1-0 against Georgia. They won, so. yeah. But that was a pretty, it looked pretty hard, the game. It was not an easy victory for them. If you look at the stats, I didn't watch the highlights, but I think Georgia had their own share of at least some kind of shots on target, what I saw, and then possession. Yep. Um. All right, one last question before we go, because, you know, we are humans and we have things to do. But if you could rank the top five Nordic teams, so Iceland, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, what ranking would you give of those teams? Well, do you want, like, at the moment or, like, like in, a, in a bigger perspective? Um, let's go with at the moment. Yeah, let's go with at the moment. All right. Uh, I kind of have to... Give a shout out to Molde. They're playing in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. I don't think that they're such a special like club, but at least this team seems to do well. As no, they I qualified. think. Sorry to interrupt you. I think they got knocked out. They got knocked out by Granada in the round of yeah. sixteen. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, yep. yeah. Sorry, sorry. Correct. But 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 yeah. At, at least they they won the first uh, like round of thirty two, which yep. was pretty spectacular, considering that they haven't also played competitive games for since December in Norway. Uh, after Molde, I don't think there's anyone in Norway doing like such a fairy tale run now. Then two Danish clubs, Copenhagen, Midtjylland. Midtjylland playing the Champions League, of course. You saw that it's a pretty young club. Yep. But I think they have the best academy in the whole Nordics now. And Copenhagen has the biggest budget, biggest financials. I think their player budget is near like 20 million euros a year. So that's, of course, hats off. They have pretty good resources. They, I think they could even do better. And then I maybe have to move my, my, my views to Sweden. Malmö, of course. And uh, fifth one is really hard. Uh, personally, I would have like a much higher expectation for AECO, but they haven't been doing so well. But it's hard to say the fifth one could be uh, like any of the... Th- Three countries. Is it Rosenborg? Is it Brennbu? Is it Aiko? Really hard to say, but the four ones are, are easier to kind of examine it. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, the I think the Norwegian champions from last season, I cannot remember their name. Oh, this is they were they destroyed the whole whole league. Yeah, but they kind of got promoted the year before. So yeah, it's crazy. So, I, I, yeah, I think it's more of a short, short term, you know, miracle. I don't yeah. see it in the long run. But I think they scored the most goals ever in a Norwegian league, and they won the league by like 30 points or something. And their top player, I think, Hauge, Jonas Hauge, he went to AC Milan. So, Ooh. yeah, exactly. He went to uh, AC Milan in the transfer window in the winter. So, I think that's a good list, though. I think, obviously, Mutualand, they have such a good academy. They're bringing up players from all over the world. They bring them to Denmark and such a young club. But they have a good, like, financial kind of system, and they – kind of do if ever anybody has watched Moneyball, they kind of do that kind of system where they choose players for cheap who are good and then they sell them on for bigger price because i think the same owners own brentford in the championship so yeah they're kind of using this Moneyball system which i think is now going to be incorporated more into football yeah and of course we're really off topic now but to do even more off topic brentford is a really interesting side and there's some kind of connection you can see a lot of nordic players there that, that, that they're kind of using this connection to Denmark, which they have. And you can get like quality players there for really cheap transfer prices. So 
so it, 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 it's a different but really interesting strategy to follow. Yep, exactly. I mean, maybe Hoy Kovun maybe make the top 15, if that, maybe top 15. Hard to say. There, yeah. it, it's so the scale is so small here. Yeah, exactly. We just don't just don't have any any money in the football league here in Finland compared to Sweden and Denmark and Norway, where they just have not like a huge budget, but they have a budget that's double the size, three times the size, ten times the size of Hoiko. So it's hard to compete with those kind of teams and you know make European competitions. And like Molde, they made the round of sixteen. They lost, I think, the first leg against Granada two 0 but they beat Granada two one in the second leg. So, I mean, crazy achievement by Molde. Yep, they're super close to making the quarterfinals. So, I mean, amazing run by them. Mm. Yep. But, I mean, I think that's enough for today, guys. Remember, Sunday, 2130, we're going to stream again the watch-along. Hopefully, this time it's a better result. We were so thrilled when it was 2-1 and then so sad when it was 2-2. But we'll do another watch-along Sunday, 2130, YouTube, Twitch, at Mike and No Mike Show. I think Nikke will join me again. Perhaps. Perhaps, maybe, if he, if he likes me. We don't know yet. <laughs> but I want to thank Nick for coming on. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And remember one thing. Please, wash those damn hands. Peace.